All right, so um, pretend to hold another two weeks pass by <laughs> before people hear this next one now. Okay. Yeah. We're not going to mention the question in this one, though, right? Because I still don't know the answer. No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> Am I going to ask you a question that you're completely wildly unprepared to answer? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll totally ask that question. <laughs> I get it. You were making up questions. I get it. I was just trying to make sure you people knew about they could the write questions. in. questions. Yeah. You're right. Okay. So this is another intro. Two, two weeks have passed since the last one. Okay. Angela. Yes, Mark. How you doing? Hey, welcome back to the studio. Welcome back to the Salsa Soul Food Podcast. Hello. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing. Yeah, and I love Mark's new gear. Mark, tell us about what you've done. With the place? Yeah, with the place. With the whole place. Well, first off, I want to say that have you been telling guests that I have a cat? Because that could be a problem. I haven't been. Okay. Do you know if Jody's allergic to cats? Because uh, she seemed to keep it together except for that. 13 minute crying session you both had I know holding each other I don't know if that was the allergies or not no I don't know she just cries a lot sometimes I don't it's not know not from not from behemoth the cat no it's behemoth that hides out <laughs> so he, they're never and you didn't put on the candle so thank you for that yeah because Mark has a candle that <laughs> literally the chemicals seep deep within my soul and produce like a I, my throat starts to close so thank you people were hitting on you for weeks after that you smell so musky oh they were hitting yeah they were <laughs> yeah daryl's like you smell so musky today i'm like it was mark's candle you know what it's i have a i i'm a sucker for those black candles that men like to buy okay <laughs> no you know what i'm saying they're like yeah it's like only black because black is the color that men should like or whatever or if you go into the soap aisle men's mm -hmm. soaps are black mm -hmm. metal gray <laughs> yeah things like that right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right so yeah, I felt better this time recording. So you, yeah, I have a, I have some new gear. So if whenever we say pops, peas, and bees, it might be less harsh on your on your ears. Cause we care about you. Yeah, thank you so much. So this is this is the second part of a two part episode. Yes, this is the second part with again Jody Grimm, mm -hmm. the amazing health coach, therapist, raw chocolate extraordinaire. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be great. She's going to dive more into her personal approach on this episode would you say if people didn't listen to the first one they should or does it matter no you can listen to it separately but of course i'm going to encourage you yeah. because i want you to listen totally um because the first half she talks about her, her personal life and that's also very interesting to see the whole journey mm -hmm. and yeah it's gonna be a, a great episode what's there's something special at the, the yeah trailer? i was gonna say that yes thank you at the <laughs> end after the credits jody will give us a beautiful guided meditation and if you're not familiar with that, well, she will go ahead and show you. And that's all for free. You just tune in just and wait to the end. Uh, the The price of admission is giving us good ratings on, on yes. podcast services. Yes. Go and rate us. Give us the stars. And leave a review. Write a review. And then maybe our name will be up in the, st up in the lights. <laughs> we'll be on billboards everywhere. And also repost it. Share it. Email a friend. Whoa, you're getting pushy now. <laughs> Sorry. That's a little too much. <laughs> I've been emailing people, telling them about it because, you know, it's fun. And it's exciting. If you want to. Yeah. If you want to be my friend still. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Part two with Jody. 
So thanks for for sharing with us about your chronic pain that you've been dealing with because I know that that can be very difficult to share and I think it's great that people out there who maybe deal with other chronic symptoms or pain can also connect with you. So I want to get a little bit more into how you ended up, you know, becoming a therapist and what were the steps you took to maybe like get into your master's program, kind of walk us through that, through that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. I told you, I told you kind of leading up to, you know, building my own business and, and whatnot. And ultimately, I knew I wanted to go back to grad school at some point. I just wanted to be really sure. Uh, I, I've always loved learning and uh, I, I just didn't want to make the financial and investment and the investment, you know, with my time and energy until I was sure. So, I, I you know, in my 20s, I did a lot of traveling and like I said, had a lot of odd jobs and different experiences. And, you know, you could look at that and say, oh, life was really random in my 20s. But I actually look back and can see how everything that I did was pointing me towards the life that I have now. So I, I you know, I in in my early 20s when I was looking for grad schools, I remember looking on websites and looking at the list of programs they offered and, and saying to myself, well, maybe I could, you know, force myself to like this program or maybe I could really fit myself into this program. And yeah, so it was exactly that. I was trying to fit myself into like someone else's mold. And later on in my 20s, when I was around 27, I think, I after I had done a lot of my own exploration, like I said, through traveling and whatnot, I landed on Leslie's website. Uh, Leslie is a school in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and they're very well known for mental health programs as well as education. They're specifically known for their expressive therapy programs, so music, art, and dance therapy. And they also have a holistic track to their mental health program. So I ended up on their website and I remember when I saw the holistic program, I knew 100%. I'm like, this is it. And it didn't feel like I was trying to fit myself into the program. It felt like everything that I had done leading up to that point was a match for that program. It just felt like this, it felt like it was designed for me and all the experiences I had already had. Uh, so it just felt like a complete natural fit. And so that's the only school I applied to. And I, I got in and I, um, it was a three-year program and I loved it. I loved it. I remember being in my first couple of classes and going around and having, you know, my peers in class share why they were there and what, what brought them to the field. And people sharing all kinds of stories just like we're sharing today and I remember thinking oh my god I can't believe I'm in a classroom talking about this uh so it felt so incredible to be talking about the things I would talk with my best friends about but be in an academic setting doing the same thing so yeah I absolutely loved my experience at Leslie and had a couple great internships I uh, did an internship that was out of a church in downtown Boston where they did some outpatient counseling there. And then my second internship was actually on Leslie's campus where I worked with one-on-one -on -one with college students. So yeah, it was a great experience. That's great. And so can you explain a little bit more about the word holistic? Because I feel like we hear about that a lot. We have uh, like holistic health and I feel that maybe people aren't really sure what that means, especially when it comes to mental health. Can you break that down a little bit yeah. as far as like 
specific to you and your approach too, that's that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. The way I think of holistic is really just taking all elements of somebody's life into account. So, you know, the way that the conventional medical system is set up is you go to a doctor for certain things, you go to a therapist for certain things, you go to a nutritionist for certain things, you go to a physical therapist for certain things. And uh, in an ideal world, I think all of those people would be connected so that people could feel that, you know, all their practitioners were on the same page and taking into account all these different elements of their lives. So that's one thing is just kind of looking at the whole person more than just looking at a particular symptom and saying, oh, this from, you know, from a doctor's point of view, this is what this is from a therapist's point of view. But uh, really knowing that that all parts of a person's experience are connected. For instance, uh, let's take you know, a nutritionist, for instance, if a, if somebody's trying to lose weight and a nutritionist is looking simply at, you know, are you getting enough nutrients or not? And, you know, they might put, put this person on a, a nutrition plan and the person doesn't lose weight. From a holistic perspective, somebody might say, okay, yes, you're eating well now, but how are your relationships? And maybe the person ends up saying, I'm in a terrible relationship. I can't stand my partner. It's um, really stealing a lot of joy from my life. And I don't feel like myself. And, you know, so these are the stories where you hear of like somebody gets a divorce and loses 50 pounds because it wasn't about the food. It was about this other stressor in their life. Um, so when it comes to mental health, I think it's really the same for me is that if somebody is, say, struggling with, you know, depression, I'm not going to immediately say, assume it's a it's a chemical imbalance that needs a medication. That may be the case for some people that that is helpful for some people. Um, but what I want to do is help somebody look at what's going on in your life and trusting that there's actually a message in the depression just like I was talking about earlier with the symptoms in my body same thing with mental health if we're struggling mentally or emotionally my belief is that there's a reason uh, and it's it's an invitation for us to listen uh, for a message that actually will point us towards uh, more balance in our lives if we're willing to. But I think the the issue is that in our culture, what is promoted is most of the time when we feel pain, when we feel discomfort, get rid of it. Uh, and unfortunately, when we get rid of it, we're missing the opportunity to find the wisdom that is within it. Yeah, I love it. And, and I think it's great because I think now in society, we're having a shift where, you know, nutritionists, mental health uh, providers, uh, conventional doctors, functional medicine doctors are all kind of getting on the same page. I mean, I'm being optimistic. There's still a lot of work to be done. But I think like you said, you have to look at at the whole picture. And yeah, I think that people are, are getting more educated about that. And I think what I really love and what I want to do on the podcast especially is have people think outside of the box and challenge, like you said, like from when you were younger, you were exposed to this certain lifestyle, but you still challenged the, the norm. And I think that that's so, uh, so important. So uh, another great thing I love about your experience is that I know you've worked with children, you've worked with college students. And now can you tell us a little bit more about the specific work you do? Obviously, with you have to keep it confidential, but <laughs> tell us about the work you do. Yeah, now. yeah, absolutely. So now I work at a uh, day treatment center uh, right outside of Boston. 
And I work with adults who are struggling with severe and persistent mental illness. So it's it's a day program, meaning it, it's almost like a school day. Uh, clients of ours come at least three days a week, if not you know, all five days a week. They have to come at least three days a week. And it's long-term treatment. Uh, so they have to commit to, to being there long-term. And so, you know, which could be six months. It could be a couple of years. It, you know, we do have clients who are there um, up to like 10, 15 years, depending on what they're struggling with. We have all different levels of functioning, uh, people that are struggling with anything from anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. And so we have a team of about uh, nine clinicians who, who work with them day to day. And we do all group therapy. So this is, has been very different for me uh, to run all group therapy versus doing the one-on-one work that I've been used to over the years. And we have a pretty holistic program. Speaking of the word holistic, we incorporate a lot of different modalities. A lot of the work I do pulls in my interest from throughout my life. So I run a healthy living group where we talk about nutrition uh, and I run a group I call Food Body Emotions, which is looking at our relationship to food and uh, how various experiences in our lives are um connected to our relationship to food and and you know in what ways we use food as nourishment in as in what ways we use food when we could be you know finding nourishment in other areas so emotional eating is a big topic and and things like that and i do a movement group which i love it's my favorite group where we do qigong which is if people don't know it's a chinese moving meditation similar to tai chi and I've gotten much more into Qigong over the years since I've had a lot of chronic pain. There was, there have been many years where I couldn't do the intense yoga practice that I was used to. I, I, I still am not drawn to that. And so I also see that as a blessing because it forced me to open my eyes to other types of movement. That's where, again, dance came in. But then I also explored, you know, more restorative styles of yoga and things like Qigong. So Qigong has been a regular practice for me. And it's something that I find is really accessible to people of all ages, all ability levels. So we do a lot of movement from our chairs and then we do some stuff standing. So I, I love working with um, my clients and doing movement with them. It's it's really interesting that that's the group where we talk the least, but it's one of the groups where we feel the most connected, I think. And it's simply from uh, doing this movement together. I also bring in a lot of meditation to my groups. Often we start our groups with a little bit of movement and a little bit of meditation. So uh, yeah, incorporating all that um, all that good stuff into my work now. So I, I like it a lot. So I think it's fascinating because, like you said, it's a very holistic day treatment center. Do you feel that that's becoming more of the norm or do you feel like lucky that you're because I don't I don't really have knowledge of it of that. But do you feel like that's, for example, your clients, when you describe certain situations and things, it seems like that's the first time they've ever been told or taught about nutrition or, you know, other modalities for healing? Yeah, I think at, at day treatment centers, I mean, day treatment centers have been closing 
you know, all over, unfortunately. And so we happen to be one of the day treatment centers that is still thriving and growing. Uh, but from what I've heard in other day treatment centers, people do get exposed to a lot of, you know, like mindfulness, for instance, is a real buzzword right now. And um, so mindfulness meditation, I think, are definitely being incorporated into day treatment programs. And, you know, as we hear that it's being incorporated into schools and things like that. So that's definitely um, a growing um, piece of the field. I think what, you know, what I find interesting about things like nutrition and movement is that I do think a lot of practitioners are on the same page that it's great to move and it's great to eat well. I don't think a lot of practitioners have the same belief I do that these are actually, these these can heal. These can actually bring you long-term healing and are not only like a nice aside to your medication uh, you know, your list of medications, but in fact, like, let's go here first and, and, and really put our time and energy into these things. You know, a supervisor of mine at Leslie, who I I loved, she used to say, take your meds. And she would say, you know, M is for meditation. E is for exercise. D is for diet. And S is for sleep because she was someone who like me took these things very seriously and knew that you know, eating well and moving and doing meditation, that changes the chemistry of your brain uh, mm-hmm. without the side effects of medications. And again, not to, you know, say people should get off their meds or shouldn't take meds, but it's something we're thinking about. You know, these are things that and, and there's a lot more research being done on this, but how this changes the chemistry of our brain. It's not just kind of a fun thing to do on the side when you yeah. have time. Yeah, there are medical like articles and medical journals that you can find online. Mm-hmm. Anybody can go on and start to read about these studies and things that are actually happening. And the other thing is, too, is it's about having practitioners that if you're going to be on a medication, you talk with the patient about that medication. You don't just hand it off to them, which I'm sure a lot of the patients you're dealing with, they were handed these medications. I mean, I'm making a lot of assumptions. No, absolutely. But- yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, this is a topic that I could get really fired up about, but uh, I, I do think I'm a big believer in informed consent. So it's not so much about you should or shouldn't take medications because I think everyone needs to make that decision for themselves. But I do think that people should be educated about the decision that they're making. And I think and then feel that they have the support to uh move through that journey with someone they can really trust. So for instance, you know, we at once you're on a medication, if you feel like, you know, maybe, you know, I'm feeling some certain symptoms, like I, you know, I have a lot of clients who feel very disoriented and very sluggish and um, very tired all the time, sleep, falling asleep in the middle of groups. And a lot of these are side effects of the meds. And how comfortable do you feel going to your doctor and saying, hey, like, this is what's happening to me. I want to feel more alive. Like, I don't want to feel like this. Can you help me? And I think from my understanding, there's not a lot of doctors who are trained in helping people taper off once they're, um, you know, once mm-hmm. they've gotten what they maybe need from the meds. You know, bottom line is there's actually, there's really no long-term studies that show the efficacy of a lot of these medications. So we're kind of just um, taking a risk mm-hmm. and saying, try it out, see how it goes. But it, I I wish people were told more of um, given more information about not only the side effects, but, you know, the long term, the long term consequences of being on some of these medications and what we don't know yet. Uh, And just having more honesty around that that whole topic. 
Yeah. And people, I think now more than ever, you need to be your own advocate. And I mean, you're advocating for your clients every day by being with them and giving them all of this knowledge and education. So I think that's amazing. And what I wanted to ask you a little bit about too, and you might not get into this with your clients currently, but what is your view on sort of the family structure and healing like generational trauma? Can you say like a little bit about that and even how it's relates to you that's fine as well yeah for sure uh still learning but i i think trauma is you know luckily there's a lot of research being done in the field of trauma and um we're finding that a lot of um chronic mental and physical illness we can trace back to experiences of trauma and i've done a lot of exploration of this in in my own life and well first i guess before i say any more i think some people might be like what it how would you define trauma and exactly you know there's a specific definition of trauma in the the DSM which is the you know the big book that we use for for diagnosing in the mental health field uh but I think the the issue is that people feel like if they don't fall into that that criteria that they that they haven't had trauma in their lives and so I I brought in that definition and the way I think of trauma is when anything happens that is too much too soon for your system. And there's, from my perspective, probably not one of us that doesn't have an experience that we can remember that like, wow, that was like really too much for my system to handle. Like I didn't have the resources to know how to make sense of that, to integrate that. And there's a part of me that just had to separate in a way from that experience so that i I didn't have to feel the pain of that. And so it's in those moments that we start to, yeah, separate from ourselves. And, you know, maybe years or even decades later, we start to feel maybe chronic anxiety or chronic depression or chronic physical pain. And again, from my belief system, from my perspective, I think those are, that is that part of ourselves that got separated, kind of coming back and saying, hey, I need some attention. I need to be healed. That is you know, that's where we need to really tune in and listen to those messages versus uh, trying to get rid of those symptoms. And so I really try in in my work with clients to invite them to open up to their symptoms and, and get to know them and trust that they're there for a reason. And oftentimes that does bring people back to pain in their early, usually early childhood, uh, which is which is not easy work to do. Um, it's not easy work to do in the environment that I'm in because we we work in groups. And so, you know, bringing that stuff up can be really triggering for people. And so, you know, I would recommend for anybody listening, if you're if you're starting to do some of that work on your own to, you know, have a trusted practitioner, whether it's a one on one therapist or really good friends that, you know, you can lean on during that time because it can be really it can be a journey and um, a difficult one, and but I, I do think it's one worth worth taking because I think that's that's kind of the journey of our lives. I I believe that's what we're here to do is to heal uh, the pain that we've experienced so that we don't pass it on to the next generation. And um, that's that's really what happens is is if we don't heal it ourselves, we pass it on, and then it goes from generation to generation. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. And I love that definition of trauma because I think that's a word, again, another buzzword that's starting to come up and people may be starting to compare their trauma. And in reality, I mean, I don't I haven't read a study, but I heard from listening to another podcast, another practitioner say that all trauma does affect the brain in a similar way. So 
there's no need to compete and yeah absolutely and there's there's really no way you can compare because there's so many different factors uh that determine whether or not somebody will be able to be resilient in the face of a certain experience so let's say like let's say my mom died when i was young um and i had i had really strong ties you know really strong support from the rest of my family maybe i had a really strong community uh you know and I had all these various supports, I might not react to that trauma in the same way that if the same exact thing happened to someone else, but they uh, didn't have any other good relationships in their lives or they were living in poverty at the time or who knows, you know what I mean? There's all exactly. these different factors that can uh, determine whether or not we're able to move through a, a situation uh, without having those long-lasting effects. So yeah, exactly like you said, Angela, I think it it doesn't really make sense to compare. And I think what happens is that that ends up just, A, we, we minimize our own pain and that's not helpful to us because that then we then we don't end up doing the healing work that that we need to do. So uh, it's not really beneficial for anybody to to compare. Great. No, I love that. So I want to ask you for people out there who maybe they want to get help um, as far as maybe they deal with anxiety, depression, or just random symptoms and they, they don't really know, you know, how to handle it, obsessive compulsive disorder. What are like two steps you think that somebody can take either in their own home or, you know, being proactive in another way that you might recommend? Obviously, you're not like everyone is very different, mm -hmm. but I just want to hear your advice. Yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, there's so many things you can do if, if you're experiencing and it depends, obviously, how severe it is. You know, um, there's all types of, you know, places you can call if you're really having a crisis. Um, but if you're experiencing something like that's chronic and it's really getting in the way of your everyday life and you're wanting to to dive a bit deeper and figure out what's at the root of it. I first, you know, and I still go back to this because I think I have the the history of working with nutrition and I still bring that a lot into my work today. I would recommend um, doing some sort of elimination diet where you clean up your diet because and the reason I say that it's not easy to do, especially if you're somebody who loves especially like sugar or alcohol or coffee. Like there's there's some things that are really difficult for people to give up even temporarily. But the reason I encourage it is because a lot of times uh, when we clean up our diet, those symptoms are can diminish uh, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, I was, like I said, I think earlier, I was having a lot of issues with low energy in my early 20s. And, you know, I could have easily said, you know, I'm, I'm depressed and gone on meds at the time. And that's, that's fine for if somebody decides to do that. At the time, though, I uh, decided to do it 30 days of, you know, at the time it was 30 days of eating raw food. What really mattered is that it was unprocessed food and getting out, you know, the sugar, the the processed dairy, you know, alcohol, gluten, all of those, you know, common allergens that can cause all sorts of havoc on the body. Uh, so getting all of that out of my system and all of a sudden I have all this energy and I feel alive again. And so at, it, at that point in my life, it was about the food I was eating and it was about I'm not taking care of my body in the way that um, I, I know I need to be if I want to be living my best life. So I always start there with people whenever I can, whenever people are willing, because I think it's a very specific place to start. And, and you can 
um, it can clean the slate so that then you'll see what's left over, right? Now that I'm fueling my body really well, oh, I'm still feeling anxiety. Exactly. So maybe it wasn't about what I'm eating. And now I've kind of um, ruled that out. I'm still going to keep taking care of myself. But now I need to look at the more emotional, mental, you know, layers of my experience. I might want to look at like family dynamics. I might want to look at my spiritual life, my creative life. I mean, then you can start to look at all these other parts of your experience and start to, you know, narrow in on, on what's going on. But I think, I think the food pieces are, is a really great place to start. Um, secondly, I would recommend some sort of, um, movement slash meditation practice. And the reason I put those two together is because, for me, movement is can be meditation. And um, so and for a lot of people, just sitting down in silence is difficult um, and is intimidating. And so I, you know, would encourage people to start, you know, there there are places you can start that are an easier entry entry point. So something like Qigong or yoga can be really nice ways of starting to develop a relationship with your body and with yourself so that you can start to have some awareness of um, of what's going on and start to ask those big questions of like, okay, so I'm, I'm feeling uneasy and start to notice when you're feeling uneasy and start to recognize the pattern. I'm feeling uneasy mostly in the morning. Okay. What happens in the morning? Oh, I'm going to work. Okay. And, and, and so for me, meditation and movement has been an opening in that way of just getting to know my patterns um, and and getting to know myself. And I think ultimately getting to know ourselves is is how we heal. I love that. And yeah, so the elimination diet, and we're going to do a, another whole episode on elimination diets as well. But it's really just breaking down what you're eating and maybe eliminating some things that might be causing distress or stress on the body. And I love that because every, you know, everybody eats and it's emotional. So it's a great place to start. And obviously it's harder for, for others, especially with your income and, you know, can you even have enough money to buy food? So that's where I think where your clients might, they're so lucky that they have you because you can really teach them about those things. Yeah. And I, I will say I, I did this recently with some clients of mine and a lot of our clients do uh, struggle financially, um, pretty, pretty severely. And, um, what's really interesting is that they were able to do two weeks off of processed foods and what, what ends up happening, I think initially people think, oh, it's going to be so expensive. And yes, initially it often is more expensive than we're used to if you're not used to cooking at home and, and whatnot. Um, but ultimately you end up, a lot of people, most people end up saving a lot of money in the long run because they're not, you know, buying the, the, the Coke that they used to drink every day and the um, the so uh, the coffee that they have every morning, which is like, you know, a couple dollars a day and not going out to eat. I feel like these days you can't even get a sandwich out, which isn't, you know, at least eight or nine dollars. So uh, ultimately, I always argue that people end up saving money. So um, mm -hmm. I know that that's a, a concern a lot of people have right off the bat. But if you get into the habit of cooking at home, it, it I, I guarantee you'll save money long term. So it's kind of that initial investment and just getting used to spending money in a different way. Yeah. And having someone to guide you is also yeah. great. The fact that they have you too. But no, I, I agree with you. All right. So thanks so much for being on the Salsa Soul Food podcast. It was so nice to hear about your journey and your approach to therapy. I think that a lot of people are going to really benefit from hearing all of it. 
And I wanted to let everybody know, where can they find you on the web? Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Angela. It was a blast. Um, and people can find me at just my name.com, jodygrim.com, J-O-D-Y-G-R-I-M-M.com. And on Instagram at Jody Amelia. Uh, so J-O-D-Y-A-M-E-L-I-A. And we have a little treat for you. Uh, we talked a little bit about meditation on today's episode. So after the credits, if you stick around, you will hear Jody Grimm herself doing a guided meditation for all of you. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. The Salsa Soul Food Podcast is hosted by Angela Spignese. Follow her on Instagram at Salsa Soul Food and YouTube at Angela Spignese. It's produced by me, Mark Damon. I edit and mix the podcast and also wrote the theme songs. You can find us on most popular podcast services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google. If you like what you hear, please leave a review as it helps people find us. Got a question for Angela? You can write to salsasoulfood at gmail.com and your question could be featured on a future episode. everyone so hopefully you're in a comfortable place hopefully you're not driving if you're driving don't participate in this meditation wait until you get home um, but if you are at home or wherever you're at just I'd, I'd encourage you to find a place where you can be seated comfortably whether you're cross-legged or maybe you're in a chair you know feet on the floor whatever feels comfortable to you and then find a place to rest your hands in your lap somewhere maybe, maybe palms up, maybe palms down. I like to cradle one palm in the other or one hand in the other, so whatever feels good. And then I'd invite you to close your eyes. We're just going to take some time to settle here. As you settle, I'd invite you to notice any sounds that you hear around you. As you continue to settle, you might notice the parts of your body making contact with the chair or the ground beneath you. And then finally, start to shift your attention inward.
without trying to change anything here, I'd invite you to just notice the state of your inner environment. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel uncomfortable? And what are the particular sensations that let you know one way or another? considering the idea that no sensation or experience within you is better or worse than any other. It simply is what it is in this moment. So if you notice yourself resisting any part of your experience, I'd invite you to soften around that. See if you can allow it to be there. Sometimes it's helpful to make a mental note saying it's okay. Or you're here too, it's okay. As a way to anchor your attention here, you might notice the rhythm and the quality of your breath. Just finding the place in the body where you notice that rise and fall of the breath. Maybe it's in the belly, maybe it's in the chest. Maybe you notice the air passing through the tip of the nose. Wherever you notice it, just bringing your attention there and tracing the rise and the fall, noticing your body breathing. Thoughts will come to mind, sensations will continue to arise in the body, and whenever that happens, you can notice that they're there. Again, maybe you just say, okay, you're here too. And then you gently bring your attention back to the rhythm of the breath. Again, noticing that in-breath and out-breath.
as you're ready, you might start to make some micro movements and fingers and toes. And eventually, blinking the eyes back open. <laughs>